Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 210 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from chilly Sandusky, Ohio. Got up this morning and it was all of two degrees Celsius here. As they used to say, north of the wall, winter is coming. And it's going to come with the fury here very, very soon. We uh, had a soccer game at our stadium the other night where it was about four degrees Celsius and about 40 kilometer an hour winds and sleet and snow. A beautiful night for soccer. So uh, in this episode, I'm going to be jumping into uh, the ups and downs of 2022. Now, a few weeks ago, I sent out a survey to uh, to the listeners. I put it out on my socials and asked uh, people wanted to share their three ups and their three downs for the 2022 season. I heard back from eight people. I was hoping to hear back from a lot more than that, but that that's okay. I'm still, you know, you know, the still working out, you know, building up the. Uh, the groundswell of interest and that sort of thing, and may not have been the kind of thing that somebody wanted to fill out. And that, but for the eight of you who did, I truly appreciate you taking a few minutes to to share what your thoughts were on the year. And I'm going to also, you know, be sharing with you uh, my five uh, ups and downs for this year. And I actually have a five B and a five A uh, up, so I actually have six on there. But um, it's it's it's. You know, I'm a cat supporter, so it was it was a great year. Okay, whatever else went on, it was a great year, of course. But uh, you know, we need to look at at a few of the other things that that have transpired as well. Now, folks, don't forget that you can uh, get a shout out for your local footy club if you drop me a note over on uh, my socials. Um, send me a note via an email, yankinthefootygmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook uh, or on Instagram or on my Twitter page, yank underscore on, or you can head over to my website and leave me a note there as well. You can get on the mailing list for the podcast there as well, and uh, you can register with guests. If you've got a great story, I'm going to be doing uh, episodes all through the off-season and uh, leading into uh, the training sessions and that type of thing, so I'm hoping to set up as many interviews as I can because my announcing gigs for this year are just about done. I should be done with those in about two weeks. I've just got a handful left to take care of. Now, today's club of the episode, well, I've gone uh, a little bit east of me here, and they are the Boston Demons of the USAFL. And the Demons won the Division II Championship of the USAFL National Tournament this past weekend out in Ontario, California. And they defeated the Sacramento Suns 5-3-33 to 3-5-23. And I know that's a low-scoring game in terms of what most people are expecting to see. But, you know, they play much shorter uh, game time during these games. Uh, I am going to put links to this game as well as many of the games from that weekend uh, up on my uh, show notes. You can check that out. You know, Demons, congratulations. Uh, I want to also congratulate Bill Robert of uh, Stateside Footy, who's also a huge uh, Boston Demon supporter. He announced many of the games out there, and I believe the next game that he announces next spring will be the 150th game that he has 
announced for stateside footy. And this was the culminating event of the USAFL's 25th season. So congratulations to everybody involved in the USAFL. Brian Barish, you put on one heck of a great event. It was great seeing all the photographs on Instagram and up on Facebook. I did see that uh, Razor Ray was there. I did see that Mason Cox was there as well. And it looks like a great time was had by all. I did let my wife know tonight that uh, since she has uh, suggested that maybe me going to Australia is not such a good idea since I'm an old man. And what could happen to you if I, if you're there as an old man? And I told her quite frankly, I said, you know what? If I die, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing there. Go ahead and cremate me there and, you know, sneak in and sprinkle my ashes all over Cardinia Park. So if we can make that happen, if, if, if it happened, if I do get there and that ends up happening there, well, I've just recorded what my wish is. I guess if you could sneak it into the MCG, that would work as well. Um, unless it was a Richmond supporter, then I'd want them to, uh, to take me to Marvel and do it there instead. But that may be, you know, too tough of a task for them. So maybe a GMBHA or, okay, I'm getting a little off track here, so... <laughs> And it's a little morbid, actually, as well. But um, like I said, I wanted to look at some of the ups and downs. Um, and I had, like I said, eight people who uh, shared their thoughts. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, run through those. And uh, seven of these eight people, I did send out a sticker uh, for the podcast out to them. One of the people, I did not get back a note from them. Uh, so I'm still hoping to hear back from them so I can drop a sticker in the mail to them. So, uh I'm really thrilled that all those who did respond, um, except for the one, have, have shot me back their mailing address so I could uh, get that out. So I think I sent three to people here in the U.S., one to Canada, and three went to Australia. So I know it'll be a couple of weeks uh, before the ones get to uh, where they're supposed to be in Australia, and I hope that the weather cooperates and the envelopes don't get wet because they're stickers. They're not the fanciest things in the world, but uh, it's just my way of saying thanks to, uh, to those folks that... Uh, that went ahead and uh, did that. So let's jump in first uh, to the ups and downs for the, the people who responded here. And I'm going to go to uh, to Tim, who responded initially, and uh, asked you know, the th- and I said, I'm just going to go through each of their three ups, and I'm going to j- share with you what they wrote and what they jotted down. Um, and their number one up, for 2022, Tim's was amazing player comebacks from people like Patty McCartan and Tyson Stengel and others. I can't can't disagree with that at all. Uh, his second up was the meteoric rise of Collingwood from second to last, two points away from being a grand grand final participant, including a uh, you know a history making run of close wins and exciting game style. And I will tell you that's probably going to show up on my list as well. So, and his third one. Um, the Geelong veterans casting aside their Zimmer frames on game day each week and getting the job done with youthful vigor. Now, I'm guessing that there's a uh, a little bit of a translation difference there because I don't know what Zimmer frames happen to be. I'm not sure if these are some sort of like leg braces or something like that. So if you happen to know what uh, Zimmer frames are and you could drop me a note about that, I don't know what those are, but I'm really kind of curious, okay? Now, Tim's three downs, if you will, uh, were, of course, the, the Hawthorne racism scandal, 
uh, the inconsistent rule interpretation by umpires uh, within games and week to week and the inconsistent MRO as usual and as always because you know let's be honest we we uh, we have a uh, we have a Brownlow medalist this year who did something that was very similar to what we saw other people get suspended for this year. And again, I'm not trying to get into an argument with, and I'm not trying to start an argument with uh, Carlton supporters here, but that shot that he put out there towards the end, I mean, the fact that he was able to, to continue to play, I think he was very lucky in that situation. And then the last one, uh, the number three down for this person for Tim was uh, the AFL marketing and public relations department failing to take advantage of the renewed interest in the game worldwide. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, I, and I would I would sing the song, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's that's why I do the podcast is to try to share this great game with people here in the United States, but then also to let folks in Australia know we love your game and thanks for sharing it with. Well, with I'm going to say with us, but in this case, I mean me because I'm still trying to get it into the ears and eyes of other people, and. uh then we move on to somebody who did not fill out their uh, their name on here, and I really wish they had. And theirs was a uh, theirs was very much a Collingwood centric list. Okay, so their three ups, being a Collingwood supporter, it's been a great year. Uh, the second one, seeing Nick Dacos live up to the hype. Uh, the third up that they had listed, seeing Darcy Moore and Jamie, Jamie Elliott playing most of Elliott playing most of the season, and that is true. I mean, those are you know two phenomenal players when they're healthy. It's great to watch great foot. It's great to see them uh, play great footy. And and I'm going to go ahead and toss something in there. And I didn't have this on my list, but seeing one of Australia's newest citizens, Mason Cox, have a phenomenal year. Uh, playing a role that he had not necessarily had much of an opportunity to play earlier with uh, Brody Grundy being out injured most of the season. And speaking of citizens, I do want to take a moment here and congratulate uh, Kendra Heil of uh, Essendon's VFL, VFLW side. Uh, I had Kendra on the podcast uh, earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was earlier this year. And Kendra just uh, born and raised in Canada, but she just became a, uh, an Australian citizen here in just the last day or two. So Kendra, congratulations to you. Um, now, looking back at their negatives... Uh, their downs, if you will. Uh, the, f- the first one that they had listed there was the scheduling of games uh, way too focused on TV only. Um, Jack Ginnivan being treated differently t- than other players, and I'm sure that may, may have been a reference to the recently retired uh, Joel Selwood there. Uh, and rules in general, tackles not being played. And that's uh, and there's you know there's a lot of arbitrary rulings do take place. And as somebody who watches the NFL, well, at least I watch the Browns, which is why I cry a lot between uh, usually the middle of September until early January, because there's not a whole lot to smile and laugh about as far as the Browns are concerned. You know, the way the game in the NFL, there's a lot of stop and start. And I know that's something that, that many people just don't enjoy about the NFL, but it, it gives the officials, the umpires, if you will, the the referees, as we would call them, an opportunity to kind of pause and reflect on things that they're seeing in front of them during the course of the game in terms of penalizing things. But 
you know, with it, with a game like footy, it is so three dimensional, quite frankly. And then the action continues. So it's, you know, and again, I'm not excusing, uh, calls or no calls by umpires, but you can almost understand why that would happen more frequently with a game that moves at the pace that it moves at. And then their biggest 2022 off season, uh, a story was uh, Brody Grundy leaving the Pies, okay, and heading to Melbourne. Now, I, I forgot to mention uh, Tim's um, biggest off-season story, the one that's happened, you know, just happening recently. His biggest off-season story was again a Collingwood one, and he mentioned you know Collingwood's handling of their uh, salary cap issues, you know, because they've offloaded a number of players over the last couple of years. Uh, the AFL apparently giving the okay to all the clubs to salary dump players uh, as much as they'd like in a trade period, and again, you know. As a cat supporter, we were kind of the recipient of that, and I'm kind of thankful the way that worked out for them. And then we head down to uh, Rob, uh, who is a Texas-based St. Kilda supporter, and his uh, his first up for this year was the old guys, as he said, uh, from the Geelong retirement facility winning it all to David Mundy playing like he was 25 and Buddy kicking goal 1,000 experience paid off well this year. And I, and I agree with him there, yeah. Um, Collingwood resurrecting themselves from the ashes. And his third up for the year was St. Kilda's first half of the season. Of course, his first down of uh, the season was St. Kilda's second half of the season. And I can't say I disagree with him there because, you know, the Saints just fell off a cliff. And that's and I'm just going to give you a, a, another preview, if you will, that's going to come up again in my list, uh, here momentarily. So I, uh, I'm just very, well, it's, it's, uh, Brett Ratton related. Okay. Um, yeah, he mentioned also the tribunal de- uh, picking decisions out of a hat all year long. And, and again, I, I can't say I disagree with that either because, you know, we saw things go to the tribunal and go to the MRO and we're just, we're wondering, what the hell kind of a decision is that that they made? How did this end up being something worthy of a suspension and this not? And this player missed games and this player get this amount of a fine and their their reputation is still untarnished and they're eligible to do this. And, and it's just, it was a little bit arbitrary. Um, his second, uh, I'm sorry, his third down was, you know, West Coast falling uh, hard to the bottom of the ladder. And uh, then, of course, his uh, his biggest story of 2022 was Buddy kicking goal 1,000, as he said, it might never happen again. And I was kind of doing the math on that. I thought, you know, that the, the the one person that would have a shot at that at the moment right now, and he would have to play for probably in, at the level he's playing at right now for probably another five years, and I don't see that happening. I mean, I honestly, I don't see it happening. Would you know, be Tom Hawkins would have to average about 50 goals a season for the next five years or so to, to get close to, to 500. He might get to not, or to a thousand. He might get to 900 before he steps away from the game, but I don't, I don't think he's going to get to a thousand. I just don't think he's going to get there. And then we get to, uh, my friend, uh, Mick Aussie, who spent a lot of time with me this year, uh, on the preview episodes and his first up for the year, of course, then was, you know, COVID hardly affecting the season and the crowds were back. You know, we did have, you know, a few instances, you know, go, uh, West Coast got hammered by COVID a couple of times, had players missing. Um, the Cats' amazing, he mentions for a second one, the Cats' amazing strategy on how they build a premiership team. Um, 
a South Aussie being so successful as the Collie Wobbles coach, taking them from 17th to within one point of a grand final, showing it pays to attack and uh, to attack and uh, stick to defensive coaches. I'm, he's, I'm sorry, he's sick of defensive coaches. And he sent that to me before uh, it looks like uh, St. Kilda is going to be hiring their newest coach, who is a bit of a defensive coach there. Um, his biggest downs for the year, uh, the Crows uh, showing only slight, if any, improvement average to bad drafting over the past five years and, a, and an average head coach. Uh, the Hawthorne saga that's going on right now, as he said, it's going to drag on and it's going to be nasty. And... <laughs> And his third down, if you will, for the year. And if you if you listen to the episodes that Mick joined me, um, he said that uh, you know Mick's third uh, down was uh, more players uh, sticking uh, their mouth guard, their mouthpiece into their sock as they're getting ready to kick a uh, set shot uh, for goal. It really, really annoys him there. Uh, and and his biggest story of 2022, as he said, there was the the cat's flag when they were predicted to be anywhere between sixth to eighth on the ladder as an older group. And I had them tipped sixth this year. And after seeing what they did this year, I don't know if I, I guess I have to ask, can I, can I tip them that low next year? I mean, they've gotten younger. I think overall, once we look at the, uh, the breakdown of the list, I think they might actually have a slightly younger list than they, well, okay, I guess that doesn't actually work, but, you know, you, Selwood's gone, Dollhouse is gone, uh, you know, sort of a younger list, but I mean, it's, uh, but they brought in a lot of younger players that are going to be coming in and, and possibly making a bit of a difference this year, so I don't know if that's going to make, you know, all that much of a difference anyway. And then we get to uh, to Rob, um, his first uh, up was watching the fans storm the field after Buddy's 1,000th goal. It was a beautiful sight. Yes, it was against the Cats. It was a little dis- disheartening, disappointed as a Cat supporter um, that it that it occurred. But you know, but you know what? In the great grand scheme of things, it was one of the most thrilling events I have seen in sport in my life. And again, I my my pickings are mighty slim here uh, as a Cleveland sports fan because I've seen one championship that I was cognizant of in my lifetime. And that was 2016 with the Cavaliers. And I'm not much of a basketball fan, but it was just phenomenal to see the, the, the love that the supporters showed him. And again, you know, a lot of it was just, Hey, look at me. I'm out on the grounds, that sort of thing. And you know, Zach Tui trying to return people's uh, wallets to them and 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 such, but uh, it was great to see. You know, his second up was uh, watching Jack Ginnivan emerge as an exciting young player, uh, getting crowds back into the stadiums, although there were still lots of empty seats. Now, I guess I have to ask, you know, there, you know, there were a lot of places where there were empty seats. Was that because of still there being a fear of covid or were ticket prices too high? Or was the quality of the product on on the grounds, your team or the teams playing, was that something that impacted whether or not people went to watch clubs play? I mean, you know, it's, you know, Gold Coast had a, a decent year for themselves. You know, GWS struggled this year and their crowds were abysmal. Um, but they're, you know, you know, the Cats did not, 
pack people in this year because you know a third of their stands are gone. They're hope well they'll be there next year, but they were gone this year. Um, you know it's uh, it is it's it's. I hope it recovers more. It was great to see the hundred plus thousand at the grand final. It was great seeing the 80, 90,000, you know, in the, um, in the finals contest that took place at the MCG. It was, you know, it was just, it was wonderful to see big crowds back there. I mean, it's, it's because it makes it so much more of a spectacle, just, you know, hearing the sound of the crowd and, 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 you know, the television networks did a, did try to simulate that when the stadiums were empty, you know, over the last couple of years. And, and, and I know a lot of people thought that was, that was bad or it was ugly or you know, it was dumb doing that. But I, I thought it was, it was kind of the way to make people still somewhat feel at home by having the crowd noises there. Um, now Rob's, uh, his three downs, the first one was umpire abuse and associated 50 meter penalties. Now, I'm not sure if he was if he's saying that it's a I think he's just saying that it's a down because of the the whole concept of the umpire abuse that you know that that you'll know, be a little bit more th- uh thick-skinned in terms of you know being so I don't know if offended is the right word but you you get what I'm saying here you know without being so standoffish if you will or so quick to uh to want to blow the whistle and award somebody a 50 meter penalty because somebody, you know, dropped an F-bomb or whatever out on the ground or raised their arms above their head. Um, the, uh, they, uh, he also mentioned, this is an interesting one. He said that the second, the second down on his was when commentators talk about courage and bravery at contested marks. Ball instinct is not the same as courage. That's a, that's an interesting point. You know, it's, you know, are they saying it's it's courageous when they went into a pack and are you know risking life and limb that sort of thing? But in in today's era of of being concerned about concussions and traumatic brain injury and things of that nature, is it still courageous or is it reckless? I I, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure how how. To, but that is a great point that he uh, that he mentioned there as far as one of the downs there. And his third down was yeah Port Adelaide's pathetic, pathetic start to the season, and they scuffled. They you know they started out zero and five if I'm not mistaken. Now his big story for uh, twenty twenty two is you know, will Dusty Martin ever be the same? And that's a great question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what uh, what's going to happen with him as far as that goes. Then we move on to uh, to to Jim here from the United States, and Jim he didn't fill out. Every one of the spots here, but uh, um, you know, he did mention you know that there you know he was happy that there were several good quality matches, lots of upsets uh, this year. He was concerned about the questionable officiating that went on this year, and uh, he was very disappointed, or as he said, extremely disappointed by the play of his West Coast Eagles. And you know, Jim's a West Coast uh, supporter. I've had him on the podcast before as well. And his big story for 2022 was the awful play by by the Eagles, and and that was a club that pro- I think that's the club that was probably impacted more by COVID than by than any other club in the comp. I think that they were uh, they were hit by COVID and lost players and just had a lot of injuries that went along with that club as well, and it and it just made for a uh, 
it made for a um, a rough year for them. You know, and it's... Uh, is that club going to bounce back? I don't think so. I think that's a club that... that is the position that the cats could have, could have found themselves in had they taken the, you know, a different approach than the one that they did in terms of resting players and that type of thing. And then we hear from uh, David, who is a cat supporter and uh, his three ups, they're all Geelong related. Uh, the first one being, you know, Tyson Stengel with Geelong. Uh, the second one being Sam DeConey with Geelong and the third one being the premiership and his, uh, his three downs, the first one being the the, the racism uh, allegations being made at Hawthorne, which again I think that's 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 just pretty scary what went on there. And again, you know I, I think we still have to stick with you know certainly the uh, innocence until proven guilty. Now, can somebody help me out with this because I've heard a lot of discussion. I've been listening to a lot of the the national podcasts about what's happening with this, and the the term keeps getting used. And if you happen to be a barrister who is listening, or maybe somebody who has a little bit more of an understanding of, uh, of Australian jurisprudence. Um, my extent of Australian jurisprudence is watching the entire series of Rake. Okay, that's what I know about uh, the law in, in Australia. And uh, But they kept talking about the term natural justice. Now, I think I know what that means, but I'm... I, what does that phrase mean in terms of Australian law? So if you could let me know what the term natural justice means, because I, I, I'm, I think I know what it's meaning, but I'm not positive. So I don't want to embarrass myself and, and say something and be completely wrong here. So if you know what that term means, I'd love for you to share that, that thought with me. Uh, so that was his first down. His second one was the inc- inconsistent umpires. And then the third one, this is kind of a Geelong-centric one there. Too many night games in cold Geelong in winter. More twilight games, so they want to have, be playing. You know, he wants to be playing when there's a little bit more sunlight out to hopefully help keep the people in the stands, and I'm assuming the players as well, just a little bit warmer during the course of the game. And the big story for 2022, and he didn't even coach a game, Alistair Clarkson, according to Dave. And then we get to uh, we get to Orville, and uh, Orville. Uh, mentioned you know his he had a couple things uh on here and again or i've had orville on the podcast uh, a couple of times i've uh, did like a four-hour interview with him and broke it up into a couple of episodes i actually on my social media on twitter i just reposted those two episodes i think it were episodes 94 and 96 from june of 2021 and orville is just is a fascinating gentleman to talk with uh just been involved in so many different unique things in his life. And if you've not listened to the episodes that I, that I, uh, did with Orville and at the time he was living, uh, up near, uh, Brisbane, he has moved further inland at this point in time now. Uh, but, uh, just a fascinating gentleman. So if you, if you are looking for a footy fix and you're looking for a little bit about Australian history and such, you can't go wrong in settling in, you know, hopping on your, your, your bicycle for a bike ride or going out for a walk or heading out to, to wherever you're, you are, uh, and, and listening to my chats with, with Orville. Uh, he was also the person that sent me my first jar of Vegemite. And I am now at a point where I have a single jar I bought. I'm, I've gone through now 
16 jars of Vegemite since June of last year, since June of 2021. Um, yeah, because I bought a three-pack of my own. Orville sent me one. Then I bought a case. I have one jar left of that case. I have one jar that I just opened at school. And then I also have a uh, bottle of the Squeeze Vegemite that Michael Gallus sent me. I have not opened that up yet. That is my... That's kind of like we have here in the United States with our strategic oil reserves. That is my strategic Vegemite reserves. Which, the way things are going right here, I guess I have to give it away to somebody right now. Because that's what's happening here in the States. So, Orville mentioned, uh, of course, the you know the big big uh, up for him was the Cats Premiership. He's a Cats supporter. Uh, his second... Um, and. Orville definitely wears his fandom on his sleeve, okay? Uh, his second up was the fact that the Tigers bombed out, that they failed miserably. Um, his third up, and he actually he actually filled out two lines on here, so he actually had a couple of them here. So his third up, the Magpies bombed out by one, and Patty Cripps' brown low medal. So he was thrilled about that. Then his his first down, and he had two, he's actually got six downs on here, Um and the first one there being uh, that, you know, that Eddie Betts did not play. But I think as a Cats supporter, you'd have to say that was an up because the fact that he did not play, he came along to the Cats to work as uh, as an assistant coach part-time and was able to, you know, bring uh, Tyson Stengel in under his wing and help to turn him into a, a you know, a phenomenal player. Um, his second uh, down was that the Hawks did not win the wooden spoon. He said, I hate the Hawks. Um and then the, the the next one, the amount of time it took the sw- to get the Swans fans off the ground and continue the game after Buddy's Buddy's one thousandth. I'm not sure if if Orville was getting ready to go to bed at that point in time there, but uh, um, it did take quite a while. And yeah, you, you and I and I wondered, and I I, I honestly I didn't know was that going to be something where the uh, the the comp just decided because if I'm not mistaken, it was like six minutes left in the game. And the Swans had that game pretty well in hand. They they were going to win that game. There wasn't this wasn't a game that the Cats were going to come roaring back at the end and win that one. I wondered if they were just going to you know just hold up the ball, blow the whistle, and say, okay, hey, guess what? He kicked his thousandth. Swans win. Everybody go in the locker room and celebrate. That didn't happen. Um, his next downs, the Suns didn't improve as much as he'd hoped. And uh, and his last down was the fact that the season had ended. Now he'll have to wait for March until they get more footy. Um, he wishes it would be year round. Well, he does live in uh, Queensland, so I mean he's up there, fairly far to the north, where you know he can probably see some instances where the game is being played during the uh, the summer months, uh, maybe in uh, or I'm sorry, in the winter months in. Uh, now, it would be the summer months because it's up closer to the equator then. Yeah, like they're like they're playing in Darwin right now. And uh, his uh, two big stories, uh, or the big story he had listed then, you know, the potential racism scandal around Clarkson and Fagan, and uh, also uh, you know, you know, Jordan Degoe getting booted uh, and uh, you know possibly not having played this year and getting suspended for a little while because of his actions here in the U.S. And then the uh, the last one. This was a gentleman from uh, here in the United States, from Pennsylvania, who was a Swan supporter. And uh, his three ups were: you know, Swan's incredible season, top four finished, uh, trip to the grand final. Uh, he believed they'd be a finals club this year, but didn't see the uh, that kind of you know that coming from them in terms of the, this year's development. Didn't think it was going to be as well as it did. Um, his second up, you know, again the finals just wow, as he said, just wow, what an incredible final series. And it was. This was. 
you know, there were a couple of clunkers games, and you could you, know, you could argue that the grand final was a clunker uh, because you know it ended up being a, a significant what eighty one point margin there. Um, his third up was you know Gold Coast getting close, and I think that's a club that maybe they make finals next year or maybe they're they're ninth. They're getting really close. I, I agree with that. Um, but you know there were some clunker games in the in the finals, a couple of them, but overall. There were some very close games. There were some games that that would excite supporters, you know, people exploring the game here in the U.S. and hopefully get them excited and want to check out this game a little bit more. And as he said, as far as his three downs, uh, pretty rough grand final to watch. Honestly, he uh, didn't expect the Swans to win, but you know nobody was going to be stopping the Cats. But a tighter game would have been nice. And his second down was Gold Coast not making the eight. And as he said, uh, his big story for 2022, he really can't stand how we're kind of at a point now where we're, we're looking at things as guilty until proven innocent and how that's affecting clubs and people's lives. So to the eight of you who filled out the survey, I thank you for taking time to do that. Um, I do appreciate that. Like I said, this is the first time I've done that. I'm going to do this again next year, of course, as well, because I think it was just a a great way to try to wrap up the year. And again, I've had these, these uh, responses here for a couple of weeks and I've just not had the opportunity to sit down and, uh, and, uh, and, and record this one. So I'm, I'm glad that I was able to do that this evening. Now let's go ahead and get to my list. And I, I, I listed five ups and five downs myself and my, uh, my five ups, let's start with the ups. Okay. Um, my five ups and I have a five B and a five A. So I really have six ups and, this is an overarching one, and I said, you know, the, my one-up is you know, the league getting back to the business of playing the games and having people in the stands on a consistent basis. Yes, the crowds were not maybe as good as they could have been, but we had two years of, of COVID just getting in the way of this game that we love. You know, the lockdown's happening. You know, if you were, if you were in Melbourne, you weren't going to be able to go pretty much anywhere. Um, but we got footy back. And people embraced it and people loved it. And that was great. So that, that was, it's kind of like one of mine with a little asterisk. It's like, you know, that's kind of like that, duh, that's the great, it's one of the greatest things that happened this year is the fact that we actually got people back at the games. Now my number five up, my number five up this year was, was Michael Voss leading the blues back to the precipice of the finals, back to respectability, because this is a club that has, you know, been undergoing a five year rebuild for now more than five years, and I've gone through several senior coaches uh, before they settled on on Michael Voss, and he's done a pretty darn good job with a pretty talented side. Uh, so I, I I think Carlton will definitely push for finals next year. Now I think it's gonna it's gonna be an absolute slugfest to get into the top eight. I think we're gonna have some really good teams that don't make finals next year. I really do. I think we're going to have some really good sides that don't make finals this next year because there are so many good sides out there. You know, I think I think we could probably name three or four right now that don't have much of a shot at all at playing finals, but there are probably 12 clubs you can make an argument, maybe 13 clubs you can make an argument they're playing finals next year. And a couple that are kind of on the periphery. Now, of course, I'm still frustrated with the Blues, okay? I'm not going to let you off the ho- the the hook completely, uh, Carlton, because, again, you really stuck it to me last year, back in September. 
you couldn't have waited until after the grand final to make this hire. You knew it was going to be Michael Voss. You, 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 you had it set. You had it set. You probably had his you know signature on the contract. We'll talk about contracts here in a minute. And you couldn't wait until the Monday after the grand final to announce his hiring. Now, for those of you that don't know, the reason I'm still a little bitter about this is because uh, in 2021, the Thursday before the grand final, I was supposed to be on uh, for an appearance on the uh, the Sporting Capital uh, radio show, which would have been a huge, I think, a huge boost to the podcast, being able to get the name of the podcast out there to the people listening to uh, the Sporting Capital. And unfortunately, I got bumped because the uh, the Blues hired Michael Voss that day, so they spent the entire you know, program talking about that. I think I was up at three 30 in the morning to, to get on a zoom call with them to, to talk footy. Um, and I looked at my email and Hey, we're going to have to bump you, but we want to get you back on. So I waited a few months after the season was done and I went to send an email back to the producer who, uh, had reached out to me. And that producer is no longer working with the sporting capital. And his, his email address was, a was, it bounced back to me. So, so yeah, Carlton, I, I I'm thrilled that that things went well for you this year, but I still ha- I'm just a little bit bitter about it. Okay, so my number four up, my number four up was was uh, the reemergence of uh, or I guess you could say the emergence of Tyson Stengel. You know, Patty McCartney, I think you could throw in that list as well, but I'm going to use it from a cat standpoint. Just seeing, you know, Tyson Stengel going going from an athlete who had been delisted, who lost his job. And had to go back and start from scratch and build himself back up again and build, rebuild his reputation again. And he got a shot with, and he chose to, to jump onto the uh, the cat side, and went out and had an all Australian year. And I'm hoping that he I'm hoping he spends the next eight to ten years in the hoops because he's phenomenal. I love watching him play. So I'm thrilled that this young man was able to get himself going in the right direction with this. Now, my third up, as we're moving forward here, was Collingwood's resurgence, okay? You know, going from 17th on the ladder up to a top four finish, you know, I, I hope that this is a, uh, I hope that this is a, uh, a performance that my Cleveland Browns can replicate next year in 2023 because I think it's going to be a long year this year because they've lost, they've lost three games they should have won, and they got they played terribly this past this past week against the New England Patriots. But they they had three games they should have won that they lost, and their schedule is just going to get that much more difficult. So I think they're going to have a terrible year this year. I'll still watch because it's just it's in my DNA. I'm going to watch them and I'm going to cheer for them and hope that they win. And I don't yell and scream at the television if they don't win the game anymore. I just shake my head and go, "Well, they found a unique unique way to lose this game, now didn't they?" And I just kind of laugh at it. So Collingwood. Good on you for jumping back up for uh, from 17 to 4. Uh, my number two, a uh, couple of other folks mentioned it, you know, Buddy's 1,000th goal. Uh, what what an absolute milestone. And I know that there have been other 1,000 goal kickers, a handful of them in the history of the game, but it hasn't happened in quite some time, and it may never happen again. You know, this, this gentleman uh, just has been a phenomenal part of the game for, you know, many, many years. And it's just, it's, uh, to see the love that, that the Swan supporters showed him when that took place and 
that was one of the images that I shared. I remember sharing that with my students back at the tail end of last school year. And it was the start of one of my class periods and that, you know, I'd been watching it and I, you know, watching it in my classroom and that occurred. And I showed the, I showed the kids, I said, you know, here, I said, this is something that you're never going to see again. This is like, uh, you know, a player, you know, hitting the most home runs, you know, in, in the history of the game. Uh, in Major League Baseball, Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run uh, earlier this year before he retired, which is, you know, there's only a handful of players who hit more than he did. But seeing him do that at ground level and then seeing the camera above the SCG as the crowd descended upon him, just a, a wonderful image. I mean, just I'm so glad they had something set up to catch that image when it occurred. I'm glad they had something there. Uh, to do that. I, I'm not sure. Was it a drone? I don't know. Was it a helicopter that was up there? I know here we have uh, blimps that show up at games quite a bit that from one of the uh, tire companies from Goodyear. We have the Goodyear blimp and there's several of them that fly around the United States and, and hover over sporting events and give you like really high camera angles from time to time. And of course, my number one up for the year I'm a cat supporter. So you know what it's going to be. It's the cats winning the premiership. Okay, again, I'm I'm going to be a little selfish here as far as this goes because I again, I'm going to be 60 years old next year. I've seen my the clubs and the teams that I support win one championship that I was cognizant of. You know, the Cleveland Browns did win one in 1964, but I was only a year old at that point in time. So I was ecstatic and I'm I'm still ecstatic. I'm I'm waiting. I I keep checking my email every day to see when the uh the Cats team shop is going to be shipping out my order cuz I did uh I did buy a few things for the team shop. I bought another, you know, I got my first, uh, you know, I had a, a buddy, Dave, send me a, a jumper a while back, which I can now fit into because I mean, I'm down about 110 pounds, which is what, 50, oh heck, it's over, it's, it's over 50 kilos, uh, since August of last year. And, uh, this was a jumper that when he sent it to me, a Guernsey, when he sent it to me, I got it and I went to try to put it on and it didn't fit me because, well, let's just be honest, I was too fat. I'm still fat, but I'm a lot less fat than I was before. And I've got at least another, I would love to, to lose another 35 or 40, if not 50 kilos as well again. Now that would make me pretty skinny if I did that. I don't think I'm going to get that far. But uh, I'm I'm really working at it, and I'm trying to get myself as healthy as I can be, um, and I feel pretty good about it. I mean, I've, I've I've had a lot of things that I have not eaten in well over a year, and I haven't really missed them. I've I've been I've been dealing with it. I've found things that work in lieu of those things. So, but I mean, I, and some of you have given me well wishes about that, and I thank you for that. But it's been it's been a uh, been a bit of a fun journey. So yeah, again. I did order one of the, the Premiership jumpers, so and it's the next size bigger than the one that I have here now. So it should fit me better, so I will be able to wear that. I mean, I can get into this one, you know, and it's it. I have a little bit of wiggle room in it, but not as much as I would like to have right now. So I, I'm hoping to have this other one that's going to have a little bit more wiggle room so I can actually wear this one around, because I'm, I'm sure if I'm going to have it just hanging up... Uh, on the wall somewhere or frame it or something along those lines. I don't know. I, I plan on wearing it because I want to show it off to people and have them go, what's that from? Then I can tell them about this wonderful game. So that's my first up. 
Now let's jump into my five downs for the year, okay? And uh, my first down, or my, I'm sorry, my fifth down is the descent rule that we started out the year with. I just think that this was, it was so petty. And I, a couple of people mentioned officiating and umpiring decisions that were that went on. You know, the fact that we had players who were, you know, looking incredulously at umpires or raising their arms or making a comment to them. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, to get in the umpire's face and scream at them. I think that, you know, I, I don't think there's a place for that. But asking a question, raising your arms in the air, he's not, you know, the athlete is, you know, the player is not raising their arms in the air as though they're getting ready to throw a punch at this person. So, you know, just, it's your job to deal with some of this kind of dissent. You know, you're going to get pushback, you know, in, in, in a job like an umpire. You're going to get push a pushback in maybe in law enforcement. I've been a teacher for 29, 29 years. You sometimes get pushback from students who don't want to, to do what the tasks are at hand. It happens. You have to deal with it. You know, I, I tell my students, you know, I don't, I don't yell. I, tell, I mean, you hear me talking here, and I can, I can certainly get loud when I am talking. But I, I tell them, I said, you know, you're going to hear me in class this year. And I said, and I will be loud. I will be bombastic. I'll be very boisterous. I said, yes, I'm loud, but I don't yell. I said, you're not going to hear me yell at anybody in class this year. I said, I don't do it. I don't think it's necessary to do. I'm going to treat you with respect. I ask you to treat one another with respect. And I ask you to treat me with respect. I said, if we do that, we're going to get along great. We're going to get along great. I'm not going to be condescending to you. Like I said, I'm not going to yell and scream at you. I'm not going to be disrespectful to you. But you can certainly argue your points. You can certainly discuss your points with me about things. Okay? I just, I, I was glad to see the dissent rule kind of just fade away. It just, it was, I think it was a bad look for the game. And maybe, maybe you don't agree, don't agree with me on that. And that's okay. That's okay. But, you know, and I would have to go back and look a little bit more closely. But I think there were actually some games that might have actually been decided because a club got a 50-meter penalty out of something that was very minor or ticky-tack, if you will. Okay, so that's my number five down. My number four down, and this is kind of a combo one here, uh, the Eagles and Port Adelaide both struggling to get, you know, starting uh, uh, the season. You know, the Eagles were, were down pretty much all year, whether it be COVID or injury or the side got old. Um, they just really scuffled this year. You know, Port started out 0-5. But that was a club that nobody wanted to play in round 23. That was a very good club. And even, you know, some of the games that they lost when they started out 0-5, they were very close losses. They were, they were not, there were not blowouts that were necessarily happening there. I mean, there were there were a couple games that were widespread, but they uh you know, they 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 did bounce back. I mean, you know, you had a an eleven point loss, a four point loss, a three point loss. Yes, there was the sixty-four point loss to Hawthorne in there, but uh and then a you know a five plus goal loss to to the D's, but they lost three games by a total of uh, eighteen points by a goal, an average of a goal in three games. So a little you know a little difference here and there. They could have been three and two instead of zero and five. You know, and I, and I think Port Adelaide is, is a club that's going to bounce right back. What we saw, you know, Collingwood do last year, going from seventeenth to fourth. Well, Port Adelaide didn't fall all the way to seventeenth. 
but I won't be shocked at all if they finish fourth next year. That's a darn good side they've got there. That's a darn good side. So that's my fourth down. My third down was watching the club that had made finals last year just absolutely scuffle, that being Essendon, starting out the year two wins and ten losses, and uh, you know causing Ben Rutten to lose his job. And, and, and number three kind of dovetails into number two with me, you know, what the the leadership did with uh, Ben Rutten at the end of the season uh, with Essendon, I just, it was, I mean, I understand the decision that they made and maybe it had to be made, but just, I just, I, I think they could have handled it better. Uh, and I just, I think that they really just, I just don't think they, they really treated him the way he needed to be treated. Which leads me into number two, and we're only changing one vowel here, and my number two down just happened recently, and that is the way the Saints have handled the dismissal of Brett Ratton. And and, and, and quite frankly, I was stunned. I got up one morning and, and, and hopped onto the AFL site, and, and uh, Brett Ratton had been let go. He'd been fired from his job. And it was, and, and quite frankly, I got up this morning, and and I know I'm sitting, I'm sitting, you know, in the family room at my house, and I'm putting on my shoes and socks, and the coffee's brewing, and I pop open my phone as I'm, as I'm, uh, you know, talking to my dogs in the in the morning, and I and I, that article pops, I'm like, holy shit! I had no, I had no clue that was even being contemplated to let him go, and it's uh. You know, you 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 look back at uh, what uh, Rob had mentioned there, the the St. Kilda supporter, you know, who's one up was the first half of the Saint season, and his one down was the second half of the Saint season. You know, it's kind of the opposite. You know, Essendon, if you took Essendon's second half of the season and put it with with uh, St. Kilda's first half of the season, that club would have had one hell of a year. Okay, that club would have had a great year. Um, you know, because Essendon, you know, finished up five and five. And Carlton started out, you know, eight and three. That would have been what thirteen and thirteen and eight or thirteen and nine. I mean, that's you know, might have made finals with that if you're able to put those two things together. But what I was stunned about, and I just learned about this during one. Uh, I think it was AFL Daily that mentioned this. That you know they had signed him to a two-year contract extension back in June. So I, I guess I was naive about this, but I, I guess he, you know, he's let go. And the way that, that the contracts work for AFL coaches, they only have to pay him six months of that contract. I mean, this is somebody who may have made some significant economic decisions in his life based upon that two-year contract that he had just signed. And it gets yanked out from underneath him. I mean, that's going to be a few, and And I heard that that was also done... Uh, they referenced that that was that same sort of thing had been done with Brad Scott at North Melbourne, where they had signed him to an extension, and then shortly after they had signed him to an extension, they let him go. Uh, and then they did the same thing with Reese Shaw, which again, this this all gets into the you know club soft cap. Then, so I guess I guess in terms of soft cap, you're trying to recover as much money as you possibly can. But I don't know other way to say it. But I I think you know I think you know in ma- on many facets of this, Brett Ratton got screwed. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think he lost that team. I think the team was playing hard for him. I just think they, they didn't have enough 
weapons to to compete at the level that they had hoped to compete at. And you know they've done this review, and the person who was you know the head of you know the head of footy is keeping his job. In fact, he got a promotion. So I and and I and I thought this was just really interesting. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this as an, into an issue later on uh, in a later episode because I need to do a little bit more investigating into this and hopefully find somebody who can provide me some more information about this and maybe talk to them. And and who, maybe I'll try. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'll see if I can get a former coach on the podcast. But it's it's interesting because you know the I didn't think that the you know that that the players coach you know or the, I'm sorry that the players the players contract do travel with them you know we've seen that we've seen players who got traded because of contract situation because of cap situation but they're still going to get paid that money it's just now going to be by a different club you know Brody Grundy had this happen you know the 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 uh, pies are paying part of that contract with him going to play for the D's now. But he's still going to get all of his money because of that contract. Why is that not the same thing with the coaches? I mean, I think that's that's crazy. And, and, and I just use it as a reference here. Again, I'm going back to the NFL, but you know, the the Carolina Panthers uh, in the NFL back in 2020 signed their new coach in 2020, a gentleman by the name of Matt Rule, who had been a college football coach. I believe he coached at the University University of Memphis. Yeah, a, a big school, but not one of the biggest schools by any stretch of the imagination. But they signed him, and, and if you're sitting, if you're not sitting down, sit down or at least brace yourself on this. This was to be the head coach or the senior coach of a, an NFL team. They signed into a seven-year contract that was worth $62 million. $62 million. He signed that in 2020. So he was their coach in 2020, 2021, and five games into 2022, he got fired. He lost his job. But he still has that contract. So he's going to get paid $40 million over the next five years not to coach the Carolina Panthers. Now, if he gets a coaching job somewhere else, whatever that college or whatever that NFL team pays him, Carolina gets to subtract that from what they owe him, but they still he still is going to get all $40 million of that contract over the next five years to not coach. Uh, where do I sign? Please, you know, sign me up for a five-year contract for $40 million and tell me I can't do what you want me to do, and I'll say, hey, that's fine. I'm sure there's a beach somewhere that I can go take a seat on and, uh, and wait for the check to come. The Cleveland Browns had something similar to this not that long ago because they... They were going through head coaches or senior coaches the way that some people go through socks. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy Haslam, I think he was actually paying four former head coaches along with the, the current head coach. He had four former coaches that he'd had for a while and then he'd let go, were still under contract, were still being paid by him to not coach the football team. And we're talking millions of dollars. So the fact that 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 Brett Ratton didn't get his two-year contract honored. I'm, I'm stunned by that. I guess I'm not as stunned by the, the firing. I guess when you finish up the season the way they did, okay, they finished three and eight. I can, I can see it. The timing of it was a little weird. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to sack him, why not sack him early and try to bring somebody, you know, maybe get a, and maybe, you know, as I'm recording this, Ross Lyon sounds like he's going to be the guy that's going to be the new, senior coach or the new old senior coach, if you will, uh, with St. Kilda. 
Speaking of defensive coaches, maybe they had made that decision already that if we decide to get rid of him, here's who we're going to bring in. Maybe that's why he was not interested in the job at Essendon uh, or putting his hat in anywhere else where a, a position came up. Now, my number one down of the year, and it was several other people's as well, the stuff that's going on with Hawthorne, which is then percolated into North Melbourne and into Brisbane. And this is just, an, it's an ugly situation. And in, in many cases, this has really soured what has been a terrific season. Footy was back. COVID had been told to piss off. And we're, you know, we're able to get people back in the stands. And we ha- we, you know, we get through a terrific final series, you know, a bit of a clunker of a grand final. But we get through all of that. We move, getting ready to move into the trade period. And this breaks. And we begin to see that, this stuff maybe, and again, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm not saying that it did happen, but I, I'm not, I don't know enough. But if it did happen, it's horrific what went on. It's, uh, you know, it certainly is a black eye for the game. It's going to, you know, it, it, if it happened, it's something that's going to destroy the reputation of two people who were perceived as being, as being great senior coaches, one that won multiple premierships, one that was right alongside him as he was winning them. It's just a, uh, it's an ugly situation, and it's going to carry on through Christmas time. From what it sounds like, they they're just getting ready to sit down with this commission and begin this investigation. And now the discussion is, well, when can Clarko and uh, Fags go back and coach? When are the when are their current clubs going to allow them to coach? Because Clarko is supposed to take over on November first. Will he be back there for the the training sessions with the uh, the younger players coming in with the ruse? I don't know. Should he be? I don't know that either. The same with Chris Fagan. I don't know. If, I don't know if either one of them should be there. So it's 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 just a uh, it's an ugly ugly situation. And you know we've got it's not it's not a racial thing, but you know we've got things going on with the Washington football team here in the NFL that the uh, the owner there is just is just an absolute scumbag. Daniel Snyder is just an absolute scumbag of a human being. And he's, you know, he's supposedly is arguing that he has dirt about other other owner team owners and the the commissioner of the league, and that he wants to burn down the whole system. I don't know what's going on with it. I haven't followed it enough, but he's just is not a very pleasant person. So there's my five ups and my five downs, and the ones that I got from the the eight folks that did uh, respond to the uh, survey. I thank all of you. I hope you enjoy the sticker. Remember, if, when you get it, you know, you want to share where you know share a picture of where you up uh, put it. You know, if you put it on the back window of your car or you put it on your computer, send me a shot of it so I can uh, put it out on my socials and you know, it might help other people want to go ahead and uh, get one of those. And I actually just put one of the new stickers on the back window of my car as well. So folks, if you head over to my website, yankonthefooty.com, you can find everything you need for the podcast. You can get on the mailing list, which I hope you'll do. Uh, so when new episodes come out, they'll be in your inbox instantaneously. You can leave a review for the podcast. If you like the show, I would love for you to share a review. Um, that gives me a little bit more street credibility, as I'd mentioned before, uh, with other people who might run across it on Apple Podcasts. And it, it might help to entice them to want to check out the show. So if, so if you're somebody who wants to leave a review, that I would greatly appreciate it. That would be fantastic. Look out for each other. Check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. Tell them you love them. And uh, for all of you who did help out with the, uh, the little project with my mom for her birthday, I want to thank you for that. Uh, I know I've got one or two more things that are still in route. I do appreciate that. Uh, I think it's going to be a terrific, 
um, surprise for her, although she's heard about it, so she, it's not really a surprise, but in terms of what shows up for her, I'm hoping she'll be very surprised by that. So, folks, again, thank you for the kind words and the support that you've provided. And again, if you want to help out the podcast, you can certainly do that with a review, or you can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button over on my website as well. Love having you listen. I'm planning on bringing you episodes all through the off-season. I'm trying to line up some interviews right now. Uh, I've had a few people who have said, hey, when you figure out who you want to talk to, reach out, let me know. I'll put you in contact with them. So I've begun to do that. So I'm trying to get some of these things lined up because I love sitting down and chatting with people. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit that post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 210 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me at A Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook or to Yank on the Footy on Instagram and a yankonthefooty.com on my website. Thanks for listening, and I do hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, everybody, goodbye. <laughs>